We'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for July 26th, 2009. And we're going to be continuing our study on the, uh, av- not avion, but the swine flu, the forced vaccinations, potential martial law that's coming. I haven't talked a lot about the potential martial law, but I got a report the other night from Steve Quayle, he, him and his buddy, he calls himself Hawk. They did an interview. It was, I think it was like an hour. You could go up on Steve Quayle's site and listen to it still. And I highly advise you do because what they're talking about in that particular study is the potential for martial law in the very, very near future. And I'm talking this week. And we're going to be looking at that a little bit later, okay? Because there's just so much I can cover and I've got to kind of prioritize things. And I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I'm saying it could happen. It's a potential. And that's what they're saying too. And this is something we need to be in prayer about. Again, that's why we put this stuff out. Not so we can scare everybody, but so that born-again Bible-believing Christians can get on their knees and pray about it fast if they feel convicted. He called a... uh, uh, I didn't listen to it till after Friday, but he had already called a whole day of prayer, prayer and fasting for his listeners regarding this issue. That's how serious they're taking this. What's going to go down potentially next week, and we're going to be, and it has to do with FEMA drills that are going to be going across, going to be taking, um, uh, happening, starting tomorrow. This is Sunday, and starting tomorrow Monday in different parts of the country. And the last count I saw, it's going to be in ten states. And uh, they get into it in detail. I don't want to say a whole lot more than that right now, but there's a link to it on this PDF, which I will try to have up on the internet today, and also up on Steve Quayle, on the right-hand side, you'll have his little, his little things you can listen to. And he's got some, some good uh, audios there that you can listen to. So now, what's the biblical remedy? And this is one of the things he was mentioning in this particular study. Uh, he had put up what they call praise and deliverance ministries, and he had felt that the Lord had given him some of these verses regarding what we're going into. And I, and I totally agree with, with what he's saying here as far as the remedy. And the remedy should always boil back to the word of God, quoting scripture. How did Satan, how did Jesus deal with Satan? Did he argue with him? Did he, uh, you know, try to use all manner of worldly devices to, you know? No, he quoted scriptures. He quoted scriptures to Satan. That's how he dealt with them. Well, he's our example. And these are a lot of scriptures we need to be quoting and meditating and claiming. Okay, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, you know, because that has to do with faith. If you, don't, if you quote a scripture and you don't believe it, well, there's no faith behind it. How can you please God then? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So these are the things that build our faith up. If you just dwelled on the information that I'm talking about today, it's not going to do anything to build your faith up, right? I mean, I admit that. I'd be the first to admit it. That's why I'm doing the second section on the remedy. And this is the remedy for all these horrific studies that I get into, you know, that that are unfortunately just part of the day and time we live in. Uh, Biblical remedy. uh, First Chronicles 16.25 says, For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is also feared above all gods. Now, that word gods is a small g in the King James Bible. These are all the ones that portray themselves as gods, and you think of, you know, like Greek mythology and these types of things, the, the gods, Zeus, and all these others. They're all subject to the king of kings and lord of lords, the alpha, the omega, the first and the last. Father God, the Lord Jesus, you know, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and ever maketh intercession for the saints. We are the saints. So he's interceding on our behalf. Uh, But we need to have the faith to believe that he can protect us and that he can intervene in these situations. And that um, my prayer about this whole thing is that obviously the world needs a wake-up call. And that the Lord would use this event, that his name would be glorified through it, and that many would see and fear once they see God's hand move and declare the work of God like it talks about in Psalm 64. And that many would get saved as a result of this. Not just be destroyed, but that many would actually get saved. 
is a result of what the Lord's getting ready to do. Uh, Exodus 15.11 says, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? There is none. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. There is none. 2 Samuel 22.4 I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. Now, uh, notice here, it's saying, I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. It, it, it's interlinking praise with being saved from your enemies, okay? And calling upon the Lord. And that implies faith. Second Chronicles 20, 22. Now, this is the verse that, that uh, Steve Quayle had said the Lord had given him. The Lord had um, led him to regarding this specific situation that we're going into. And hey, it's the word of God. What happened there? Um, this verse reads, And they began to sing praise, and the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah and were smitten. So in other words, these, these wicked, idolatrous nations of Ammon, Moab, and that were in Mount Seir, they were coming against, you know, the children of God here. And essentially what ended up happening is, is when they began to sing praises, I believe this was Jehoshaphat, that, that um, under Jehoshaphat, what ended up happening is, is the Lord sent ambushments against all these wicked nations. And they were smitten. They were all killed. These nations that came against, um, you know, the Jews here. What do you mean ambushments? Well, you ever heard that term to ambush somebody? Okay, he ambushed them. God literally ambushed these nations and he killed them. Well, I'll tell you what, this is some wicked stuff we're talking about today. And do you believe the Lord can do this today as he did back then? Because he can, he's perfectly capable. Well, that's not right. That they, they sh- These people are so beyond wicked and evil. You know, may the Lord's will be done regarding this situation. You know, that's the Lord's business. I'm not telling you to go out and get a gun and kill anybody. I'm telling you, though, if the Lord so chooses to do it, and you have to think, this is why I did that teaching on Psalm 64 and imprecatory prayers that you can key in my search box on my homepage. The Bible says, narrow is the way which leads to life eternal, few there be that find it, Right? Broad is the way which leads to destruction, and many there be that go thereat. We know this is true. Most people are not going to go to heaven. That's a bottom line. It's a biblical fact. Okay. Do we pray that they would? Yes. Do we, do we try to, to help save those that we can pull out of the fire? Yes. But the fact remains is that most people are not, and many people are wicked. The Bible talks about the wheat and the tares. The Bible also says, the wicked go astray from the womb. They speak lies as soon as they be born. There's some people, and I hate to say this, but the Bible's very clear on this, and I've done a whole teaching on this. If you go to my uh, teaching on the indigo children, I did a whole, I believe the second part of that, I start into those Bible verses that I talked about. I just gave you a couple there. But the Bible talks about there's some people that are just born flat wicked. The Bible talks about them being vessels of wrath fitted for God's destruction. They're fitted as though they were made for God's destruction. Fitted means to be made to prepared for his destruction. I don't quite understand it. I don't. doesn't mean that I think I'm Mr. Holy going around thinking I'm some privileged whatever. But the Bible is very clear on this, this concept. And... If they are going to go about doing wickedness, if that is what they're bent on, and I mean, I'm sure you've you've maybe been around some people like this, that they're just wicked. They can't do anything but be wicked. They'll look you right in the face, they'll lie to you, they don't, they don't have any conscience whatsoever. Their conscience has been seared with a hot iron, according to 1 Timothy 4.1. They don't have any conscience at all of sin. They could care less. All they care about is themselves. Now, I'm not saying some of those people can't be saved, but... I'm just saying, as an example, if you've ever been around somebody truly wicked, the Bible says they go astray from the womb and they speak lies as soon as they be born. Yes, we should pray for their salvation because we're not the ones that should judge that. But God knows. 
Who in this life is going to be saved and who in this life is not going to be saved? And if God were to judge their wickedness in this life, could, couldn't that possibly be used as a tool to bring other people to salvation? Yes, it could. Just go to Psalm 64, where the Bible says, but God shall shoot at them, meaning the wicked, with an arrow. Suddenly shall they be wounded, so they shall make their own tongues to fall upon themselves. See, all the wickedness they're purposing for you actually ends up falling on them. And then it goes on to say that all men will see and fear and declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider of his, God's, doing. And then it says, the righteous shall be glad and the Lord shall trust in him and all the upright in heart shall glory. So it's an encouragement to the children of God and it's also a stern warning and wake-up call to the wicked or to the people that, let's say in this case, are unsaved. All will see and fear and declare the work of God. I guarantee you people are going to get saved in that environment. When Ananias and Sapphira were killed in the book of Acts, what was the result? The result was many, many were saved and added unto the fold. It was very, very clear. It was, it was always, see, the point is, is when God judges wickedness, it always has a positive outcome. Always people will get saved as a result of that. So is it better for a person to just live in wickedness and, and, and to take people, you know, to influence people to go to hell and to live that wicked life? Or would it be more merciful for God knowing that they're never going to go to heaven to judge their wickedness and that all men would see and fear and declare the work of God, that people would end up getting saved? What's a better alternative? Just something to think about. And if you want to know more about that key in Psalm 64, just some, the word Psalm on the keyword search box on my homepage and we'll tell you a lot more about that. So, again, I wanted to mention that because, you know, the Bible talks about here of the Lord setting ambushments. He's going to ambush and smite these wicked nations. This is the verse that Steve Quayle said the Lord really hit home. And what was the key? The key was singing praises to God before the battle had even begun. Well, why would you want to do that? Because that shows faith. Isn't that what faith is all about? Or do you wait until you're in the midst of the battle and then beg God? No, you do it beforehand. I've been going around, you know, I'm in total agreement with this. I've been going around just praising God for the victory. And he said, this is what the Lord really convicted him to do, is just go around and praise God for the victory that he is going to bring. Now, does that mean that everything's going to turn out just peachy for everybody? No. I don't know, but it, does that mean that the Lord's going to, you know, that none of this is going to end up happening? Uh, it's doubtful, but it may not end up happening to those that have faith that God can protect them. In fact, if anybody's going to be protected by the Lord, they're going to be the ones because they have the faith to believe it. And again, this is why it's so important what Bible you're reading, because if you're reading some false perverted Bible, from the revised, that spawned from the revised version of 1881 that was translated by two high-level occultists, Westcott and Hort, which was translated from two corrupt Catholic manuscripts, the Sinaiticus and the Vaticanus. If you're reading those Bibles, like the NIV and the American Standard and the Living Bible, then you're reading a corrupted word. How do you build faith when you're reading a corrupted word? If faith comes by hearing, you're hearing by the word of God. Well, you're hearing something that's been leavened. I'm not saying that you can't get possibly saved or that you can't glean anything out of those Bibles. I'm not saying that, but why would you want to use something that's been corrupted when you have something like the King James Bible that is from a totally different line of Bibles that um, does not come from that corrupted line? Just something to think about. I've done tons of studies on the King James, just keying... KJV, in the search box on my homepage, if you have any doubts on that subject. And there's PDFs with those. So, again, they sang, they sang praises. And that's what moved God's hand. What was it about? What is What are most of my teachings boiled down to when it comes to biblical issues? Faith always seems to be what is the prerequisite for pleasing God. Faith which is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Well, what were these people hoping for in 2 Chronicles 20, 
22. They were hoping that God would defeat their enemy. They showed that by, before they went into battle, singing praises. And when, when that happened, God ambushed them and killed them. Killed these wicked races. These races were on their way to hell, one way or another. So it's just an interesting point to think about. So do we want to sit here and cower and, and you know, no. We want, we want to sing praises to the Lord. And, and praise Him and worship Him for the victory that He's going to win regarding this situation. That's the evidence of, of faith. Psalm 28.7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in Him and I am helped. Therefore my heart is great, greatly rejoiceth. And with my song will I praise him. Psalm 56, 4. In God will I praise his word. In God have I put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Remember, the fear of man bringeth a snare. So we're not supposed to go around fearing all of this stuff. We need to keep our eyes fixated on the word of God. Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Now that's a very important portion of scripture. It's kind of like a way that we get a hold of God. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. That's the way you approach God. If you think about it, you, you, thankful. Remember, in Romans 1, where it talks about, you know, they started, they worshiped the creature more than the creator, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and then it goes on to say that men burned after men, and their lust toward one another, and women after left the natural use of their body, and they burned in their lust toward one another. And then the Bible talks about them being turned over to a reprobate mind, to do those things which are not convenient, meaning, the word convenient meaning apt or fit. Where did it all start with that? It says that they became unthankful. That's where it started. People are unthankful in today's day and age. Again, like I said, with, the, with a lot of these kids you see, they're just unthankful. It's like they're, they're entitled to this stuff. To, you know, the only thing any of us are entitled to is death and hell. Apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, that's all any of us deserve, including myself. In fact, myself chief. So, we need to understand that thank, thankfulness is a a gigantic prerequisite for God hearing our prayers. Because if you're going to God and you're not thankful, you're doing it with, you know, He's not going to hear you. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and then into His courts with praise. So we enter in with a thankful heart and then we praise Him because we are thankful. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. Blessing his name. The Bible talks a lot about bless his name. I bless your name, O Lord. You know. Psalm 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And a good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. Okay, now we did a whole study last week on the commandments of God. Okay, we, so... If you have any doubts on that, did you see my study on the law? Actually, no, it was not last week. That was the Sabbath. But the three studies before that was on the law and the Sabbath. Please understand what we're talking about when we're talking about New Testament, modern day commandments. Is it just the Ten Commandments? Okay, Because there's about 38 pages of commandments in the New Testament alone that we could look at. Okay, And I don't mean like written in stone Ten Commandments, okay? They're written in the Word of God, though. Written in the New Testament that we need to be aware of. So, anyway, you can you can reference that um, in the PDF on that study. Okay, so if we go further, Luke 21, 34-36, and it says, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness, and the cares of this life and so that the day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. And again, that's where most people are at right now. They're just living their, de- their lives unawares. But the Bible, and the Bible says, don't let your heart get that way, where you're, you're surfing, surf, surfing 
and drunkenness and cares of this life. Surfatina would be like licentious living. Uh, living for the world, essentially. Partying. Drunkenness. Cares of this life. So that the day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell upon the whole face of the earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all the things that shall come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Now this has to do with overcoming. And I've done a whole series on this. And I try to keep the subject of salvation and overcoming separate. Okay, because I don't think we, we, we need to be very careful into thinking we're saved through works. And there's a lot of movements out there where that really almost seems like it's part of the deal. Okay? The life that we live after we're saved, okay, is one thing. Salvation is another thing. For you're saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we have to keep them separately. I've done two, two teachings on overcoming, just key in the word part of the word overcoming in the search box on my homepage to understand that concept because it's very important John 14:27 Peace I leave with you my peace I give unto you not as the world giveth you give I unto you now this is Jesus talking let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid that's what Jesus says okay Psalm 57:1 be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. That implies faith, right? We're, ple we're pleading for God's mercy through faith. How is the psalmist here trying to obtain mercy? He says, why? Why are you going to be merciful to me, God? Why? For my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of, of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. See, you could have the whole world they could be being decimated around you and you're, hun you're hid under the shadow of God's wings while these calamities be overpassed. God's perfectly capable of doing that. I mean, if he wanted to, he could translate you if he wanted to. There's times in the Bible that did happen. You know, I'm not saying we're all going to be translated if things get bad, but we could be. Do you have the faith to believe God can... I mean, he created the universe. He put... You know, breath in your body is what makes your heart beat. He, he, he's what, you know, put the food in the water here, the atmosphere. How we're just the, how our planet's just the perfect distance from the sun. How there's a little tilt on the world that gives us our seasons. How he gives us a moon out there which influences the tide patterns. All of these things are really essential for life on the planet. And it just, you know, if he did all that, there's not, there's nothing too hard for the Lord. The Bible's very clear about that. There's nothing too hard for God. I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So we're perfectly equipped. We just have to have the faith you know, to believe that. Uh, let's go further. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. He's not given us the spirit of fear. Psalm 18.2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom will I trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Well, that pretty much covers everything. Fortress, deliverer, high tower, he's my salvation, he's my rock, he's all those things. Psalm 37, no, I'm sorry, Psalm 34.7, the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth him. Well, I don't fear God. He's just a big guy in the sky, right? No. He's not your heavenly bellhop. It's not Burger King religion, have it my way now. Okay? That's the problem with the present-day modern Laodicean church, the corporate 501c3 church. That's how they view God. They got their perverted Bibles. They got their most of the pastors out there, not all, but most of them are out there giving them this feel-good gospel. But the Bible says that the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. Do you fear God? No. Well, then pray for fear. Pray for fear of God. It's one of the first things God ever showed me. If you do a keyword search for fear of God, you will find more blessings connected with it than probably any other thing in the Bible. 
So evidently it's pretty important to God and it's also a prerequisite for God's blessings upon your life. See, the fear of God takes care of a lot of things. If you fear God, there's certain things that you know you just won't tend to do. It says, the angel of the Lord encampeth around about. So if you want angelic protection... It sounds like to me a prerequisite for that is fear of God. And then delivered. Do you want to be delivered? Now again, I can't say what, what any of us are going to end up going through in the future. Okay? Obviously the apostles weren't spared. Jesus Christ himself was not spared. Millions of the martyrs weren't spared. But God's grace is sufficient no matter what he's called us to do. No matter what. So... The angel of the Lord will encamp around about them that fear him and deliver them. The Bible's, you know, that's absolutely, he's absolutely capable of that. Psalm 91, verse 4 and 6. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. What is truth? The Bible says thy word is truth. So what's your shield and what's your buckler? What's your, what's your, what's some of your protection? Now, I know it talks about the shield of faith. But faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So if you want a bigger shield of faith, if you want a stronger shield of faith, get into the word of God, memorize it, these types of things. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. How do you hide the word in your heart? Well, memorizing it. That's Psalm 119, verse 9 and verse 11. So that's how we build faith. And the Bible says, uh, again, he shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. So again, his word is truth, our shield, our buckler. And again, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, according to Ephesians 6, sword of the spirit, word of God. That's our sword. It's an offensive weapon. So you quote scripture. Uh, when you're when you're afraid, when you're in these types of situations, uh, you quote scripture. That's how you deal with Satan. Remember, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes, principalities, rulers of wickedness in high places, powers. And that the weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds. So our weapons aren't carnal, they're mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds. And again, this reference is quoting scripture and having the faith to believe the scriptures you're quoting. Because you could quote scriptures all day long, but if there's no faith behind it, God knows that. So you're not going to, you know, eh, it's good to quote scripture, but you got to have the faith behind it. So if we go further, let's see here. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor the arrow that flieth by day. So we're not supposed to be afraid of the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor... The pestilence that walketh in darkness. Nor now, pestilence is is in reference to um, like disease in the in, again these coming potential uh, viral outbreaks that are going to happen. Pestilence, which is a mark of the end times. Jesus said there are going to be earthquakes in divers places and pestilence. We should be expecting this, but God's perfectly capable of protecting as well. Uh, then it gets, says, nor for the, the destruction that wasteth the noonday. These aren't things we should be afraid of. We need to be fear God, not the things that could happen to us. Psalm fifty six eleven. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid of what man can do unto me. Now again, all these verses are up on my PDF file that you can go up there and you can copy these. And uh, I think you can still copy and paste off these PDFs as far as I know. Let's go further. Jeremiah 1, 17 through 19. And that says, Thou therefore gird up thy loins and arise and speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. For behold, I have made thee this day a defense city and an iron pillar and a brazen walls against the whole land. Now again, this is the same, God is the same today, yesterday, and forever, right? Well, he's the same God in Jeremiah 1, verse 17 through 19, as he is today. What does he say here? Gird up thy loins. The Bible also says, quit you like men, be ye strong. Quit means behave. So all you women, you be like men. No, just kidding, sorry. 
But I'm serious. I, I mean, you've got to, you've got to, in other words, act like, you know, be a man, in, in other words. I mean, a, a real man, a godly man, or a godly woman, okay? Which implies having faith. Quit you like men, be strong. The Bible says here, Jeremiah 1.17, Therefore gird up thy loins and arise, and speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. What does that imply? He's saying, be not dismayed. Be not dismayed would be like being upset and afraid at their faces. Okay? Lest, why? He says, lest I confound thee before them. Because if you're afraid of man, God says he may confound you before them. I mean, he's going to, your tongue's going to get all twisted up and you're not going to know how to deal with them. So this is something that's very important, God. For behold, I have made thee this day a defense city. He's saying he's made the person a defense city, an iron pillar, and brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. Same God today, yesterday, and forever. Praise the Lord. He's there to deliver us. I believe that. We just have to have the faith to believe it. Proverbs 29, 25. And again, I've quoted this. The fear of man bringeth a snare. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Trust implies faith. Proverbs 22, 3. I've said this one. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. But the simple pass on and are punished. So what does it imply here? The, the prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. He's preparing to a certain extent. I mean, a, particularly a man is, is charged with the uh, provision and protecting of his family. I understand the Lord ultimately is what enables you to do that. But the man's just not supposed to sit back all footloose and fancy free and do nothing when he sees the freight train coming toward his family. Well, just let him run us over, honey. I don't want to lift a finger. Well... I don't see a lot of Bible for that. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. I was asked uh, yesterday how I learned all these scriptures. And I just give the Lord Jesus Christ the credit. I claim that verse where Jesus said that it's expedient that I must go, for when I will go, I will send the Comforter. And he will cause all, thing I've, all things I've taught you to be brought in remembrance. Well, what is Jesus? Jesus is the Word. According to John 1, you know, Jesus is the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same in the beginning was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among men, and we beheld His glory as the glory of the only begotten Son. So I just give the Lord Jesus Christ the credit for the scriptures that I've learned. And truly, one of the, the verses I base that off is this. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord. Again, that implies faith. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Don't try to figure all this out for yourself because you go crazy. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. So if we're acknowledging God in all our ways, the Bible says it's a promise. He will direct your paths. But see, that's why you got to be careful what you take credit for. It's very good to get in the habit of acknowledging God in all your ways. Whether you're dealing with a saved or unsaved person, you should be acknowledging God and He's going to direct your paths. And, and I believe um, that's why I give the Lord Jesus Christ the credit for being able to memorize Scripture. If you give Him the credit and you consistently give Him the credit, chances are He's going to bless you in that era even more because you're doing something biblical. You're acknowledging Him in all thy ways. You're not just saying, look at me, I'm Mr. Smarty Pants. I've got all the scripture memorized. Look at how scholarly I am. I never went to no cemetery. Oh, sorry, I mean seminary. I never did any of that. I'm not, I'm not down on everybody that ever went to seminary. I'm not saying they've done pure evil to every person. I'm saying for the most part, they've destroyed the faith of many a pastor. They're the ones that have got them involved in their 501c3 corporate statuses. They're the ones that have told them, go back to your respective state and make sure you get your state licensing. Obey the law of the land. Get your licensing. 
Of course, I don't see that anywhere in the New Testament where you're supposed to go to a state for licensing or get your or become a corporate 501c3 church that's yoked up with the government and the IRS. Just don't see any Bible for that, sorry. And look at what's, what's done, what it's done to the church. They're the ones that have most, uh, most of the time have totally gotten the pastor's to question the word of God, say, no, this is a better rendering, and the King James is an inferior version, and this and that, and we need to go to our Westcott and Hort edition, you know, Bibles that were all derived from the 1881 Revised Version, most of them, vast majority. You know, they're the ones that did that, the seminaries. So no, I haven't been to any of that. I praise the Lord Jesus Christ I haven't. For the most part, because I, I see what the fruit's been. Not saying every person, but, you know, I don't like to make blanket indictments, you know, about every single, oh, you know, we don't want to do that either. So, if we go further, Proverbs 11, verse 9, through knowledge shall the just be delivered. Did you ever hear that one preached on? Through knowledge shall the just be delivered? Yeah, that's what the Bible says in Proverbs 11, 9. Cause that, could that relate any to Hosea 4.6? My children are destroyed for lack of knowledge? Isn't that kind of like two confirming verses from the opposite ends? Through knowledge shall the just be delivered, and my children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Well, that's a double confirmation. It's just done in a different way. That's kind of neat. Now, remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Because... You'll only see the one, the fear of the Lord's beginning of wisdom. Okay? But it also says fear of the Lord's beginning of understanding. Because what good is wisdom unless you understand it? Okay? Fear of the Lord is also the beginning of knowledge. The Bible's very clear in that. Just look it up, do a keyword search. It's in there. So the fear of the Lord's prerequisite in that as well. And through this knowledge that fear of the Lord produces and actually gives you. The just shall be delivered. So I'm not saying, okay, we have all of this book knowledge and all of this knowledge of the coming swine flu. It's going to deliver us. Okay, we need to always understand the source of our deliverance. The Lord Jesus Christ, you know, obviously you need to be saved. But the Bible is very clear though on this tenet as well. So, again, this is all part of His Word. His Word. Capital H. And, and this is what He's saying to us. We don't want to be going about being ignorant of Satan's devices. Why? Lest he get an advantage of us. According to 2 Corinthians 2.11. That's what the Bible says. We're not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. Lest he get an advantage of us. So, this is stuff, I mean, if you're totally ignorant about it, oh, here I am, lining up for this flu shot. I want my squalene and, and, and all my all the nasty witches brew stuff that goes into this. I want it injected. Who knows? There might be some microchips in there. You know, if somebody puts a poison glass of orange juice in front of you as a born again Christian and you drink it and you die. Now I'm not saying God couldn't protect you, but if you drink it and you die, weren't you just destroyed for lack of knowledge? You didn't know it was poisoned, but it killed you just the same. So once you're saved, Satan wants to either, well, I think he'd prefer like to kill you or disgrace you or make you ineffective or make you a laughing stock. I think that's what Satan would like to do to you. I mean, you know, just don't give him that opportunity. Proverbs 18.15, the heart of the prudent getteth knowledge and the ear of the wise seeketh knowledge. It's a big reason why I've done what I've done. I just read the Bible and it says we're supposed to seek. Now remember, we're in the day and time where many will, t- will run to and fro seeking knowledge. You know, but they won't. And the many will also run to and fro seeking the word of God according to Amos and they will not find it. Why is that? Because we've got hundreds of perverted Bibles out there and everybody and most of these other people and most of the pastors are saying don't look at the King James, it's old English, you can't understand it. Well, the Spirit's what, the Holy Spirit that lives inside you as a born-again Christian is what helps you understand it. I'm telling you, it's really important. You're reading the right Bible version, particularly in the day and time we're going into. You know, you start quoting NIV Bible, it's not the same. 
I've heard people that, that had um, these deliverance ministries and they say, you know, if they tried to quote NIV, it just didn't work the same as KJV. They compared it from like a pea shooter to a machine gun. Okay, so I don't have that ministry, but I've heard people say that before. So these are just things that we need to kind of keep in mind. Revelation 12, 11, um, speaking about essentially the Antichrist, and they, meaning the true born-again Bible-believing Christians, and they overcame him, the Antichrist, by the blood of the Lamb, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, they paid our sin debt on the cross. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved their lives not unto the death. Well, that's how we truly, that's how we're truly overcomers. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's something to bear in mind. Zephaniah 2, 1 through 3 says, Gather yourselves together, yea, gather yourselves together, O nation not desired. Now, when I read this verse, I think of America. They're saying here, Gather yourselves together, O nation not desired. O nation that, that's letting the, the, the sodomites, you know, take over and enact all these hate crime legislations. Oh, nation where, you know, abortions are rampant. All this innocent blood on the land that's defiling the land. And the Bible is very clear that innocent blood defiles the land. God has to judge that eventually. You know, oh, nation where, you know, your God is, is you know, sports and these types of things and all these other things that people are totally obsessed with and their, their whole lives revolve around things like uh, baseball and football. And they, I mean, their lives revolve around it. That's what they... Or whatever idol that you might, you know, pick. O nation not desired, before the decree bring forth, before the day passes chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you, seek ye the Lord. Now, before all this happens, the Bible is saying to this nation that's not desired, which I would say this applies to America, before all this happens, now remember, God's been pretty merciful. God's been unbelievably merciful, actually, to America. I mean, if we got what we deserved, we would have been wiped out a long time ago with all the blood that's on the land and all the sin that's... Another thing the Bible says that defiles the land is... Um, Homosexuality and sodomy. And I've done studies on this before where I did studies on the homosexuals. We quoted those verses. Homosexuality and, and innocent blood defile the land, particularly innocent blood of infants and children. You know. Before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger, seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. We're supposed to seek meekness. Now remember, meekness before God doesn't mean weakness. People think, oh, he's meek. He's this meek, timid, little spineless, little jellyfish guy over there standing in the corner, quivering like a bowl of jelly. No, that's not what it means. The Bible says Moses was the meekest man on earth. Didn't mean he was the weakest. You know, I mean, he had a problem with his temper. It doesn't mean that's something we're supposed to strive for, but it wasn't like Moses was, was a weak guy. He was meek before the Lord, which is what God really wants. The Bible says um, in Isaiah, I think 65, it says, To this man while I look, to him that is of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. A meek and contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. That's who God looks to. This is something we should be praying about. About being meek before, being humble before the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord will produce that because the fear of the Lord will produce humility and meekness before God. You're going to kind of see yourself who you really are if you're really meek and humble before God. And again, I'm not saying you shouldn't be meek and humble in that regard toward your fellow man. But so many people view God today as like their big buddy and, and they're not meek or humble. They don't fear God at all. Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth. That's who he's telling to seek the Lord. 
Is he saying, seek the Lord all you proud of the earth? No, he's not even talking to them. Because they're, they're not, he, he wouldn't hear their prayer anyway. Why? Because to this man will I look. To him is of a meek and a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word, which implies fear of the Lord. Okay, so, before the fierce anger of the Lord, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you, seek the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. What does that mean? He's wrought his, he's brought forth his judgment. He's talked about God's judgment. Um, he's not going about to, you know, kill people and judge them in that way. But he's wrought his judgment. He's brought it forth. That's what we're talking about. You know, when you talk about God's judgment, you talk about the penalty for, you know, not obeying God's word and, 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 and having a flippant attitude about the word of God. And then it says, seek righteousness, seek meekness. Something we shouldn't seek. And then it goes on to say, it may be, it may be, ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. Who's going to be hid? Who's going to have the only chance of being hid in the day of the Lord's anger? Well, number one, you know you have to have faith. And the Bible says also, another prerequisite is meekness, from what I can see here. In seeking the Lord. Obviously, you need to be a born-again, Bible-believing Christian. Trusting in the finished work of the cross, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've done three teachings on salvation. You can key in the search word uh, box on my homepage. So it's very important that you do that. But these are the ones that are going to be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. Ephesians 6.11 and 9-19 through 19, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Here's another prerequisite in the day and times we're going on. Putting on the full armor of God. Why? You're wanting to stand against the wiles of the devil. Isn't that what we're talking about today? All of this stuff is devilish. It's terrible. It's horrific. Well, that's what we're supposed to do. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. So again, we're talking about the evil day. That's going to be upon us very soon. Whether it's this coming week or this coming year, we're going to stand in the evil day soon, most likely, unless God takes us out of here before that. But just remember, God created you. He didn't make a mistake creating you. He didn't make a mistake putting you in this day and time. This is the day and times that the angels have looked into to inquire about, and the great cloud of witnesses, witnesses looking down upon these things, wishing they could have been. They're actually probably a little bit envious of us. I know a lot of us are thinking, oh man, I'd rather be up there. Well, I understand that. Me too. <laughs> it's more expedient, you know, the, where Paul says it's more expedient that I stay, but my desire, you know, is to be with the Lord. I totally can agree with that. But God's given us a course. He's given us a race to run. He is the author and finisher of our faith. So, see, he started our salvation process. He drew him, unless the Holy Spirit draweth that man, can't get saved. That's why you need to call upon the day of the Lord while he's, seek him while he may be found. Because the Spirit of God will not always strive with man forever. You just don't have unlimited amounts of opportunity to get saved. There's a lot of people say, oh, bless God, I get saved on my deathbed. And then their deathbed comes around if they have that opportunity and they find out they can't get saved. The preacher comes there to try to witness to them. Now, this happened a lot in old times before the advent of drugs. Preacher comes there to try to, try to witness to them. I've read too many accounts like this. And they're like, it's like I want to get saved, but I can't. I can't do it. I've rejected God so many times. The Holy Spirit's not there to draw me anymore. So salvation's not something you want to trifle with. You know, you have that conviction, you better get saved then because you may not ever have another opportunity. That's just a little thing I wanted to throw in because that's very, very important. But the Bible's very clear here. This battle, all the stuff that I'm talking about today with the vaccines and all these evil companies and the pharmacia and all the evil wickedness that Obama's perpetuating, remember this. Be strong in the Lord and the powers might put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. What we're talking about today is the wiles of the devil, but the Bible says to take a spiritual approach to this. 
For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're not, we're not wrestling against Obama. We're not wrestling against the, the CEOs of these farmer cartels. Yeah, they're wicked, they're evil, no doubt. But what are we really wrestling against? We're wrestling against the evil, wicked spirits that emanate and operate through them. We're wrestling against Satan, Satan's minions. Okay? These fallen angels, these demons, and these devils that we're battling against. And that's why, you know, we always need to keep that in mind. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. In other words, there's a hierarchy of strong, fallen angelic, and or demonic spirits, and they even break them up into different rankings, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness. It's like an army he has, too, where there's different rankings. Okay? Wherefore, take... So what's the remedy? Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. You stand. Okay? That's what you do. You don't turn your back. You stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having your having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, these are things that we should put on, but these are also attributes we should also strive to live by. Righteousness. Truth. Uh, remember, what is truth? Thy word is truth. That's what the Bible says. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That would imply um, putting out the gospel or salvation. Above all, taking the shield of faith. It says above all, the shield of faith. And again, I've got into faith a lot. I think we can see why, you know, say above all. Wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Because our faith actually enables us to quench the attacks, the, the fiery darts of the wicked one. And from a spiritual standpoint, there's things going on around us that we can't see. There's literally fiery darts in a spiritual sense that are being fired at us. The bigger your shield is, the more faith that you possess and how you build faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The bigger your shield is, the more fiery darts of the wicked you're going to be able to quench. The more mighty exploits you're going to be able to do for the Lord. Remember the Bible, there's that verse that says, they, are, they that are of the Lord will, will be mighty and do exploits. Well, praise the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I want to dwell on. I don't want to dwell on slinking in and, and not fighting. I want, to, I want to dwell on, you know, being mighty for the Lord and doing exploits and having the faith to believe that. And then it goes on and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's our, our, our really in this whole attribute of implements that we just talked about. The sword of the Spirit is really the only um, offensive weapon that is mentioned. Because it's a sword. And that's how Jesus Christ dealt with Satan in the wilderness. Quoted scripture. And then it goes up saying, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. And then uh, Romans thirteen fourteen says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's another thing that you can do. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible also t- talks about putting on the mind of Christ. Okay? And then it says, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So we're not supposed to make provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Now, I've gotten several teachings I've done, and I've posted all the links here on this uh, study, and you'll see it in this PDF. Uh, one on imprecatory prayers and God's judgment on wickedness, a Christian's door of hope, and then the biblical keys to answered prayer. And then also the studies on overcoming, protection, meekness, answered prayer, comfort, faith. There's a part one and two. And so anyway, you can, you can reference those. And I'm going to go ahead and stop this part here because we've, we've already we're pretty much done with this. And we're going to segue back into the avion flu study for the third part.